Welcome to the High and Low podcast hosted by me, Bravo Bravo, Ducking Bravo. In this episode, we're going to delve into Salt Lake City Reunion Part 2. I just finished watching it and I came here to talk to you about it. And I got to say, I was pleasantly surprised by Reunion Part 2. I wasn't expecting much because I heard Andy, a clip of him on his radio show saying that Part 3 really focused on Monica she pulls out the burn book, which of course is a nod to Mean Girls being into another movie of some kind. So we get it. Plug, drink your old teen. So I thought that this part two was really just going to focus on Mary, which it does, but only for the for the last portion. It comes back to Monica a couple different times throughout the episode. It was good. It was riveting. It wasn't, you know, because sometimes when they give us like these three and four parters, one of them can just seem like like filler or seem like, did we really need to spend this much time on this? But I thought it was a good one. I thought it was worthy of a part two. They pick up right where the fight left off from part one. So part one, it ended with Angie and Monica going back and forth. Last we heard, Angie was screaming like, you spend your kids' money on purses, your Land Rover under a carport. And Monica coming for her like, don't you talk about my children. So I didn't know where it was going to jump off. But it kind of fizzled. Angie just said, no one wants you here. Monica says, okay, thanks for that. And then they cut to Meredith saying, hey, I'm cold and Whitney's dying. Can we turn the heat up? We just sort of moved on from it. And honestly, that's how we like it. We got a lot to do here. Have your interactions and then let's move on to the next thing. And Whitney would be freezing because her outfit is like, I mean, it's like uh, the top is, if you haven't seen it, it's like, it's yellow. And it's almost like if Silly String was made into a top. It's just loops, loops of cord. It's not fabric, but it's cord strategically placed to, to cover, you know, nudity. And then it turns into a short yellow dress. She barely has clothes on is what I'm saying. She needs a heater on or a blanket, a lap blanket. It's like if you're going to go to the extremes of making a set that looks like a pirate wreck, it really looks like the ending scenes from Goonies or Pirates of the Caribbean. If you're going to do all that, crank the heat up. You can't have it be freezing with a Bermuda Triangle pirate ship extravaganza, but then you're going to keep it freezing. They've done the sets in the past with the snow and all that kind of stuff. Okay, fine. I can see you making it freezing then, but if you're going to do Bermuda, do it all the way. So Andy kicks it off by talking about Monica, the drama you had this season ongoing with your mom. Let's talk about it. And so we cut to footage of Easter at Angie's house, the big fight where Monica ends up telling her mom to find her own ride home. Then they cut to the Mexican restaurant, the scene that made me laugh where they say in you know parentheses, uh, when I put my subtitles on, Linda crying, Linda continues crying, and Monica just staring at her over this guacamole. Then Andy tees up Bermuda. Now, I've said what I thought about Bermuda. The only reason that we believe that there was family going to meet her is because she said so. Then she says that her mom must have done something to keep the family from wanting to meet her. That whole thing was very suspicious to me. So Andy focuses on it. He says, did you ever find out more about that, about why your family canceled? And Monica says, no, it's still an unsolved mystery because my mom and I aren't speaking. But Monica says her theory is that her mom lashed out because... She says her mom wanted to go on the Bermuda trip with the women and production wouldn't let her. So she thinks her mom retaliated by trying to tank her family meeting her on the trip and that her mom somehow felt like it should be her meeting her family in Bermuda, not just Mon. Look, look, 
then we get into the mom and the mom's not there to defend herself and I'm sure she's going nuts on on some social media platform she's going to be spilling her side I'm sure so Andy tees up Monica to talk about all the stuff all the issues with her mom from her father leaving when she was I think four to her mom leaving when she was 12 to allegedly pursue a career in New York City he asked what career she says a career in TV and they all make a face And as predicted, Monica's mom, Linda, was very active on social media during the show, and she sent out a message. And it was crafted to address this exact accusation that she left her daughter to go try to be a star of some kind on TV. And I've already got the giggles here because her handle is LD Millionaire, as in Linda Darnell, LD Millionaire. You got to love it. I mean, it's like she's a rapper or something. It's like young money, a milli, a milli, a milli, like millionaire, LD millionaire. When's when's the album dropping, LD? (laughs) It's amazing. You can't write this. Okay. So this is what she put out into the world. She said, everything Monica says about me is a lie or half truth. I never, all capitals, applied slash auditioned, not season four or any other I'm an award-winning journalist and TV producer. That was the TV job in NYC, news journalist slash producer. I already had the job. Reality TV is not my cup of tea. Hashtag R-H-O-S-L-C. I have searched high and low for any trace of TV production award-winning Linda Darnell. I haven't found it. I haven't searched a combination of the other names that it could be. But according to her daughter and her, she went professionally by the name Linda Darnell. So that's what I've been searching. Didn't find it. But here's what I did find. There was a old Hollywood movie star named Linda Darnell, a 1940s film star. This is the story by grunge.com. Linda Darnell had one of the most tumultuous careers in Hollywood history. She was in a bunch of movies, equate her to Lauren Bacall, Hedy Lamarr, Lana Turner, despite a career that lasted decades and included appearing in many major motion pictures, she never hit it big like those other actresses did. Her original name was Monetta Eloise Darnell, and she was pushed into show business at a young age by her ambitious mother leading her to become a contract player at 20th Century Studios by the time she was only 15 years old. She stated that her mother, quote, really shoved me along, spotting me in one contest after another. I had no great talent. I didn't want to be a movie star particularly, but mother had always wanted it for herself. And I guess she attained it through me. Chills. And I wonder, was that Linda Darnell, her mother, named after Linda Darnell, the actress? in the 1940s. The timelines would almost match up if her mother, as in Linda Darnell's mother, so Monica's grandmother, if she was a fan of that actress and named her daughter, Linda Darnell Maria Garcia. And I really think I'm onto something with this because one of the movies that this actress was in was in the year 1940. Here's the plot to it. I won't even tell you the title yet. In 1844, after the assassination of Mormon leader Joseph Smith by an angry mob in Illinois, the Mormons choose Brigham Young as their new leader and follow him to a new promised land in Utah. The name of the movie is Brigham Young, 
starring Linda Darnell and Tyrone Power. So I just feel like the name Linda Darnell was something aspirational for Mormons in Utah, named after this actress who only became an actress because her mother wanted to be an actress and pushed her into it. And around and around we go. Who knows? There could be a connection or maybe it's just a coincidence. Andy seemed really shocked and sort of disgusted at Linda potentially leaving her 12-year-old with another family to go pursue a career in TV or chase fame. Now, throughout the season, Monica's mom has been tweeting up a storm. So Andy asked her how she feels about that. She's disappointed, as one would expect. And he asked Monica a question. For someone who left her 12-year-old to pursue a career in TV, do we think your mom was auditioning to be a housewife, essentially with all her bad behavior on the show and tweeting and stuff? Anytime anybody says auditioning, or do we think she was auditioning, all I hear is the line from Burlesque when Christina Aguilera is up on stage shaking her little thing and, and trying, to get a, trying to get a part in the show. And Cher turns to Stanley Tucci and she says, what is she doing? And he says, I think she's auditioning. That's the only thing I think of. And I've used it in memes before, and I might make another one just for Linda. And Monica decides she's going to share a story. She says, when I was auditioning for Housewives, which again... I don't know what that means to her, but she says when I, I had done a taping and I thought I did a really horrible job and I thought I just completely bombed it. So I went to my mom's and she prayed with me, but she prayed to please let it be her instead. And Andy, of course, has a, a huge reaction to that. Heather has a reaction. Oh my God, there's dramatic music playing. And Monica recites the prayer that her mother said. Monica says her mother's prayer was, Lord, if it's not Monica, let it be me. Somehow, just let it be me instead. And Andy says, and you still filmed with her after that? And Monica says, honestly, you know what? That's a fair question. I think I'm just so used to it. And Andy chimes in and says, yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. And she says that it just feels, and in unison, she and Andy say, normal. And at this point, I'm like, she's got him. She's got him good. If this isn't real, if this isn't 100% real, Andy's in, hook, line, and sinker, either way. I mean, and it, it is sort of like a Bravo producer's dream. She, we've got this very pretty woman in a custom gown with a ton of issues and just being willing to talk about them. And I was just picturing Linda somewhere off to the side taking a big drag of a cigarette being like, we got him, baby girl. We got him right where we want him. Gonna be upgrading you from that carport in no time. And before we get into Andy doing any more, like, you know, Linda the bad guy kind of stuff here, which she very well might be. I just think that it is interesting that he is not taking kindly to Linda having left her child with someone, a family, a nice family, to go and pursue something when that is also Erica Jane's story, as far as I know, that Erica Jane left her son and then went to California to pursue her dreams. So to me, it was just interesting to see how Andy felt about that type of behavior from Linda when that also is something that a current housewife has in her past as well. And she's been open about it that once she married Tom Girardi and was really set up you know, nicely in California, they brought her son out and he began living with them. And where Monica and her and her mother maybe never got over that, it doesn't seem to be an issue for Erica and her adult son who have always seemed like they had a great relationship. 
But Andy is fired up about Linda. And uh, she, he says, has she always had a habit of sabotaging you when you've had success? And she says, yes. And tells a story about when she was first dating her husband, Mike. She loved him so much. She really was in, you know, into him. And so her mom banned him from the house. Now I want to hear the mom's side. As soon as she said that, I was like, can I hear the mom's side real quick? As a mom, I'd like to hear the mom's side. So I'm going to wait patiently for that. When it comes to not liking a boyfriend or not liking someone for your child, I always want to hear the mom's side and their perspective on it. And that was my thought process before I even saw that Monica recently came out sharing the information that, and trigger warning, domestic violence for the next two and a half minutes, a discussion on Monica and uh, domestic violence. She shared on social media, the reason for our divorce was because of domestic violence. My ex was arrested a couple of times for domestic violence on me in front of our girls and violations of protective orders. A police record has been shared online, a police report from March 5th, 2021 at around 11.30 p.m. Police were called to their home because Mike uh, slapped her or hit her following a tense dinner in which they were, quote, arguing about some of the people she had been associating with. And following an outing with said people, Monica's argument with Mike got worse. And that her oldest daughter, Bree, who's now 18, saw the encounter play out. And thankfully, it says that the younger children were asleep when all of this was happening and that her husband, Mike, was charged with domestic violence assaults and domestic violence in the presence of a child. Because Bree was not 18 yet at the time. She would have been 16, I believe. He pled guilty to assault a few days later. He had 12 months of probation. He had to pay $1,000 in fines. He had to complete a parenting class, counseling sessions, 16 weeks of domestic violence, anger management classes. And Monica wanted to make sure that people knew that that was the reason for their divorce, not the affair that had happened a decade prior. And whenever I talk about an issue, I just like to give a resource just in case. And so there's a number you can call if you or anyone you know is experiencing domestic violence of any kind. It's 1-800-799-SAFE. 1-800-799-SAFE. S-A-F-E-7233 is the number to call. But Monica got a lot of support on that post that I saw people commenting, you know, good for her, glad that she's getting out of that situation. I think always want to see somebody getting out of any abusive situation. But of course, the husband was not brought up at the reunion that had not been shared yet. So when they talk about abuse with Monica, they're talking about the relationship with her mother. I have no idea what to think about the two of them after those hidden recordings. Like, are they a team who's trying to ratchet as much drama as possible? Or are they really opposites and having issues and fighting and working things out and also both trying to chase fame? No idea. But Whitney's saying she's no contact with her father, that it's very toxic, but she has made strides with her mother, who we saw on the show after 16 years of estrangement. And we see touching footage flashbacks of Whitney and her mom. They had a couple moments of unseen footage, which I love it. It just gets me all giddy when they show me some unseen footage. And they get into Greek Easter at Angie's house. And when Monica, I guess, fell down those stairs, and there was just tweet wars back and forth about that, I paid no attention to it because I was like, I can't. I got to wait for the show. I'm not going to try to piece together this puzzle based on two women fighting back and forth on Twitter. I, don't, I won't do it. But the bottom line is that Monica fell down the stairs at Angie's house. 
And in the unseen footage, they show her stomping off, yelling at her mother over her shoulder. Her mother is yelling inaudibly the entire time. She turns a corner. She goes down a staircase to the basement. She tumbles. You can just hear on the camera, you can hear her tumbling. And then, uh, she hits whatever stair she stops on. And then people come running up to her. And she's just sitting sort of in shock in the middle of the staircase. Now, first thing I noticed was that the staircase indeed has no railing at all. It's just a white downward tunnel with white stairs. And I could see how somebody might trip. And I'm like, how is that? That's not even up to code. Like, I've had a staircase put in before. They force you to put a railing. You must. The contractors that are there are like, it's code. And they throw a railing up. Like, where's the railing? Angie, where's the railing? You got so many sunglasses. How about you go to code before you get the sunglasses? I'm talking builder's grade. You would still have a railing. So anyway, a man rushes up to her. I don't even remember who it is, but a man rushes up to her and says, oh my God. And they are muttering something to each other. And she's like, I'm okay. And he's like, you're not. You just fell down the stairs. I heard it from around the corner. And he's like, it's those damn heels, he says to her. And the other woman walks over and says, do you want to take your heels off? And I guess she was wearing heels that like wrap around your ankle or they were really high. I'll have to go back and look at the episode specifically, but they blame the heels. I blame the no railing. I'm sure she does too. Angie accuses her of then taking her heel off and throwing it down the stairs. There were toddlers at the bottom of the staircase. And Angie says, you almost hit a toddler with your shoe. And at that moment, I was like, this is such a good show. Like, what other show would you be watching where somebody's like, you almost hit a toddler with your shoe? (laughs) And I love toddlers. I don't care whose toddler it is. And I don't care if it's a terrible toddler having a fit. I'll fight somebody if they hit a toddler with a shoe. But it's still a funny line. But she did not, to be clear, she did not hit a toddler with a shoe. She threw her shoe. And Angie says, you could have hit a toddler, which is totally different. And I really could talk about that all day. I just think it's very amusing. But we're going to move on. (laughs) Which, by the way... I'm also laughing because the entire time that that's going on and the man's coming up and saying, it was your shoe, I heard you fall. And the woman's saying, are you okay? Let's take your sh-. That entire time, Linda is still yelling inaudibly in the background. <laughs> Linda does not break character until she gets home. And we respect that. Okay, so anyway, Monica is retelling the story about falling. And she says she was bruised up. She shows many pictures of her being bruised, which, again, Monica being Monica, I'm like, is that eye makeup? Is it real? I'm going to assume it's real. But I'm just saying we put nothing past anyone in Salt Lake City anymore. My barometer for for grifters and, and whatever is much lower than it was previously. And she says she was just so mad after she fell that that's part of the reason that she stomped upstairs and was like, find your own ride home. And I get it. I get it. Because the whole time, again, her mom's just popping off in the background. The whole time that she's trying to collect herself off the stairs. (laughs) Okay, then we get to some real good TV, too, because she says, yeah, and then my mom, like, was just so terrible because production called her an Uber. And she said, quote, I am not getting in that shit box. (laughs) Because, and she didn't laugh, I'm laughing. She says, I, my mom said, I am not getting in that shit box because it was a Subaru. Now, listen. Andy's face. They cut to Andy and he's filled with such joy. I mean, he's impressed. He He's into it is what I'm saying. I think Andy likes bad behavior. I think Andy is picking up what Linda's putting down. Because Andy loves a spoiled diva. I think he does. I think he loves an out of touch spoiled diva. 
you know, whether or not it's warranted. Andy says, oh, my God. But he says it in a way that's like, oh, my God. Like, he's into it. So on the other side of the room, Angie is being very grown up about this. And she's like, you talk, and then I will talk and tell my side of the story. And so Angie says, may I? And Andy says, yes, please. And she takes over and she says, I had family who were at that event. And they left because they didn't feel like it was a safe environment. While that sounds dramatic, I I also get it. Because if I had brought my family, like my little kids and whatever, to that event, and her and her mom were going off at that level and screaming, I'd be like, so this has been so nice, but we're going to go because I really don't expose, I don't expose young children to this type of chaos. <laughs> but this is so fun. I'll stay. My husband's going to take the kids home. I'm going to make some popcorn. I'll be right over here, but we're going to get the kids out of here real quick. That's what I would say if it was me and I brought my husband and a bunch of kids over. I would stay. Then we get into more of the tweet fight between Angie and Monica, the back and forth, back and forth. And then Monica says something interesting. She says, well, you know, after I fell, I talked to Meredith because Meredith's a lawyer. So she's the consigliere for everyone on the show. She is the legal eagle touchstone for any issues. And I think she likes that. I think it's a, a position of respect to her. And one would think that the least they could do is give her a bathtub. I'm just saying, if I had a legal friend that I've always wanted, and I'm so glad to call the Bravo docket friends, but let me just say, if we lived in the same town, they would get a bathtub whenever they needed a bathtub, because that's how much we value legal opinions around here. So she says that Meredith told her, you want her house? You could take her house. And so Meredith says, I never said that. And Monica says, no, no, you said, let's get you her house. And so Angie is just going off about that, about potentially being sued because she didn't have a handrail. And before we get into that, let me just say real quick, this is something I learned during the pandemic, watching a lot of TikTok, and it is valuable to watch TikTok. I will argue that forever. I learned a lot. I've learned a lot. I've learned so much about life watching TikTok. And one of the things was putting your house in an LLC or a trust, not having your house in your name. Now that's stuff that the proletariat don't teach their kids. I never heard about that my entire life growing up. But then you know what I did? I zoomed out on my county map and I started clicking people's houses around me. And I saw that most people had their house in a trust. Like when you went to go see who owns this house, it would say so-and-so family trust. And I was like, oh, oh. And I'm clicking, I'm clicking, I'm clicking. Everybody's house is in a trust, but mine. And so I realize, yeah, okay, that's a thing that people do. Now, what are the benefits? And I start looking into it. Liability. So if somebody sues you, if you get into a car accident, whatever, somebody can't take your house. Your house is in a trust or owned by an LLC, whichever one makes more sense for you and your businesses and whatever you have going on. So anyway, long story short, I put my house in a trust. It took a couple of months. You have to go to a lawyer to do it. It cost, I'm not going to lie to you, we paid, I don't know, I want to say like $1,700. But peace of mind, baby. Could I go buy a bag with $1,700? I could. I chose not to. I chose peace of mind. So if somebody's over at my house and they hurt themselves or they fall, I don't have to worry about somebody taking my house. And some lawyer somewhere is like, I can still figure out a way to get it. You could try. I just made it harder, okay? And I know I'm focused on liability, but one of the big reasons that people put a house in a trust is that then if somebody passes away who owns the house, you don't have to go through probate. It just makes it smoother to have all of your assets go right to your family without all of this like legal stuff that happens when someone 
passes away. Just something worth looking into. So Angie picks up on this and she's like, well, it's apparent you make your living off of suing people. And for some reason, this really sets Monica off. And she's like, who have I sued? Really loud, several times. And somewhere, Linda is proud. And very quietly, Heather says, me? <laughs> you're suing me. And Monica says, that's a countersuit. That's a countersuit. That's because you're suing me. I wouldn't be suing you if you weren't suing me. Which is hilarious. And Angie's like, well, why didn't you just pay your bills? And she's like, no. And it just got childish for a minute. But either way lawsuit between Heather and Monica that we're going to keep an eye on. So here's a very quick rundown of the lawsuits between the two ladies. So that Bermuda timeline, receipts, all of that, that was filmed around May 10th, 2023. Filming for that season wrapped a couple of days later on May 13th, I believe. Yes, May 13th. Then Beauty Lab filed their lawsuit against Monica in August. So a couple of months went by. Three months about until they filed against her. Maybe Heather gave her leeway, like, hey, just pay up and we'll let this, we'll squash this. Who knows? But they didn't file the lawsuit to recoup the funds, the unpaid funds, until August. Now, a line from the lawsuit reads, Monica contracted to get cosmetic injections on December 10th, 2019. She agreed to pay $2,449 for this treatment. Her unpaid balance is $2,000. So now I'm going to reference an article on Bustle, bustle.com, where they actually broke this down of why, how does she owe this much money? Because I haven't pulled this lawsuit up. You know what I mean? Like I got a lot of irons from the fire. I can't, I can't pay more attention to Monica. Maybe I'll pull it up one day. Anyway, I'm referencing this right now. Bustle article says what happened was she paid $449, a $400 down payment and a $49 set up fee to set up this whole, I guess, account with Beauty Lab and Laser. Then the client was supposed to have a payment plan of $200 a month to pay off that balance. So to file a lawsuit for $2,000, that means she either just never made those payments after her initial $449. She never made her $200 a month payments in 2019. I don't know. Okay, so they filed that lawsuit in August. About a month later, Monica countersues on September 13th, and she says, mm-mm, nope. I don't owe anything because they made, quote, an oral accord. She says there was damage done to her nose and her lips from their injections, and she had to go get it fixed somewhere else. And Monica says that Beauty Lab and Laser offered to fix whatever it, quote, did wrong, but she didn't want them to touch her again, so she went somewhere else. And she says that's why she shouldn't have to pay. Now, my biggest question would be, that was 2019. Can they find any date under any other names that she returned to Beauty Lab and Laser? Because if she went back, even one time after 2019, that throws the entire argument out the window to me. If that was such a terrible place where they botched your injections, why did you ever go back? I would be very curious to know if she ever did. They also talk about all of Monica's names, and she completely explains all of the names, which I really really appreciated because I felt like she did it somewhere offline before and I wrote it down and I couldn't find it, but she did it again. But before that is the, what I'm calling the two Chet incident. Oh, I love it. So they review a bunch of insults, uh, you know, to Lisa's looks that Monica has done throughout the season. And I thought that was pretty horrible. And I also think my theory is whatever someone attacks repeatedly is their biggest insecurity. So for the housewives that I see repeatedly going after someone's body 
or face, I think you're very insecure about those things. And those things mean a lot to you. And that's things that you worry about. That's my takeaway is like Monica picking at Lisa's whatever it is, her age, her, um, she picked at so many things. I was like, okay, these are things that you're concerned about that you're worried about in your own life. So the bottom line is Lisa's saying, you were mean to me all season. You came for me all season in really disgusting, gross ways. Called me ugly. You called me old, blah, blah, blah. And Monica starts yelling, two chat, two chat, two chat. And doing like a back and forth motion with her finger, back and forth, back, two chat, two chat. And Heather's like, what is two chat? And I, I had to stop for a minute. Because I'm realizing in that moment, not only is she pronouncing touche wrong, but she's also not using it correctly. Touche is like good hit or something or like point for you. It's not a back and forth. A touche is not a back and forth. It's not a, it's hopefully someone in her circle can explain to her what touche means and how to pronounce it after this episode. I'm sure she'll get that explained to her. But that was a peak housewife moments of the audacity and the cyst and decease of it all. So it devolves into chaos of Lisa and Monica going back and forth at each other. Just, you know how Lisa gets. I mean, we love it, but they cut to Andy looking very bored and putting his, you know, head in his hands or leaning over on his wrist or something. And again, Monica says Lisa is like callous and mean about her mom. And Lisa says that Monica is manipulative and they are both correct. I got the giggles when Lisa's like, you were relentless. You wouldn't stop. You called John a penis head. And actually, I think it was Angie jumps in and because Monica's like, how? What did I do? And Angie's like, you called John a penis head. And so then Lisa repeating it. Just hilarious. And Angie's like, yeah, she called him a penis head. But then she also said she wanted to F him when we played F Mary Kill on the beach. So Angie's just waiting. She's got a little tablet of receipts waiting for people. But to call John a penis head, I don't even remember that. I must have blocked that out. That's just funny. I don't know why she did that. I don't know what the point of that was. But boy, she hated Lisa. Episodes one through eight, she was just coming for Lisa. And then she switched to, you know, crying and whatever. And Lisa was a little bit nicer to her. Let's get to the names, though, real quick. Okay, so we have how many names here? One, two, three, four, five. We got five names. Brace yourself. Get ready. Here's how this works. Her maiden name is Monica Darnell, D-A-R-N-E-L-L. Her married name when she married a guy named Mike Fowler is Monica Fowler, all right? Monica's dad's last name was Delgado. Monica's mom's original name when her mom was born was Linda Darnell Maria Garcia, all right? So when Monica was a baby, her mom named her Monica Linda Darnell. Wow, I could talk about that for a long time. Her mom named her after herself, slash possibly also a 1940s actress namesake. She threw a Monica on there, but named her Monica Linda Darnell. Gave her her own name as a middle name. All right. But Monica says that Darnell name means nothing to me. My mom cut off the Portuguese names that she had because she was teased for being Portuguese in Boston. People were mean to her. They called her racial slurs. And so when she got old enough, she cut off the Maria Garcia from her name and just went by the first two names, 
Linda Darnell. I personally completely understand that. That was the one part I was like, okay, I completely get that because that that applies to my family as well. And her mother's age is similar to my mother's age. And I think for people of that generation, it's hard for the younger generations to understand how diversity was not embraced. It was not welcome. They were very awful to my family in a completely different part of America. And my family never wanted to speak Spanish outside of the home. They never wanted me speaking Spanish because people were so racist and so terrible to them for having the slightest accent. So I completely get that, why her mom did that. And then I also get Monica wanting to embrace it. So she says after she got divorced, she didn't want this name Darnell that her mom had chosen for her own life. She wanted her mom's real name of Garcia. So that's, she says, why she went by then Monica Garcia. And then that's also why she's gone by Delgado previously. Is she wanted to connect to something real, like a family name, not some middle name of her mom's. And she also says that her mom making fun of her changing her name so many times in the Mexican restaurant was a dig at her because her mom knew that some of the ladies had said, oh, you're not, that wasn't even your last name. You gave yourself a different last name to, quote, seem more Latina. So that was a sore spot for her. And that she said that's why her mom picked at that, you know, for good TV or whatever. And Lisa chimes in and says, who said that? Probably knowing that Monica's going to say, Monica's going to say, you did. You're the one who said that. And so Lisa denies it. And it's this whole back and forth thing. And Lisa says, no, I never said that. Jen Shaw said that. And Monica's like, so you're repeating stuff Jen Shaw said? And for whatever reason, Lisa pops off and gets mad about that and says, you fake effing bitch. And it just escalated quickly was my takeaway. I was like, that just really, that just really escalated. At this point, we're literally 30 something minutes in. I was already exhausted. I was like, this is giving. It's giving more than I was prepared part two to give. But I also just want to say trying to seem more Latina is such a silly thing. Like you you can't try to seem more Latina. So it's just annoying to me, especially if, it, if Jen Shaw actually said that with all the crap that she's pulled for her to say that. It really, it rubbed me the wrong way. Then we randomly got into talking about Jack and his mission trip. Right. And I guess he was denied his visa application because the picture that he sent in to the government was a shirtless picture of him at the beach because he wanted to show off his abs. So classic Jack. But anyway, he's uh, he's still working for the Lord. He's in California. Just uh, talking to people about why they should be Mormon. And then we got into Heather being triggered by it all, reminding her, she said, of what it was like growing up for her and seeing not only that, but also the the things about religion that she no longer has. I guess the community, the people coming over to celebrate his mission, et cetera. And that's about all of that that I can handle. Uh, then we moved into more unseen footage. Now, the unseen footage was Heather saying, Lisa says she's a Mormon, but she's not because she doesn't wear the garments and she you know, drinks alcohol and or sells alcohol. From that point, Heather and Whitney go back and forth, back and forth about supporting Lisa. And what does that look like when you're no longer Mormon, but you have a friend who says she's Mormon, but you don't think she is? I grow weary. They came to a place of peace about it. Lisa was happy. And just as we navigate out of all that religion and God talk, we start with Mary, a woman who, according to her parishioners, allegedly has said that she is God to them. So... 
here we go with Mary. Now, if Mary is a god, she's a humble god, because when she started talking, she had lipstick on her tooth. And that's the kind of god we like to see. We like to see a god who says, I'm one of you. We're all the same. Let she who has never half lipstick on thine tooth cast the first stone, I think is how it would go. But Andy starts, and he starts with a little bit of snark. He says, hi, Mary, I missed you at your last reunion. Why didn't you come? First question out of the gate, hot potato to Mary. She says, you know, it was how I was treated. It was things that were said. And essentially now I'm back to help you guys out. And that just glosses over why Mary didn't go to her actual reunion. And it brings up two things. One, I believe she is the first and only housewife, correct me if I'm wrong, and I know you will, the first and only housewife who skipped a reunion that was part of her contract, but was still welcomed back on Bravo. Because I remember, I think Adrian Maloof was the first one to ever just not show up to a reunion because they just didn't want to film. They were just sick of the whole thing. They weren't having a good season, what have you. And it was like written in the sand. If you don't show up to the reunion, you're done, son. Like that was the big F you to Bravo and you can't come back from that. And yet... Here we are with Mary. Second thing is, they really glossed over why she didn't come back. She didn't come back for some pretty serious reasons. Her last season, before this one, her parishioners were coming out, her cousins, a guy who said that he was lovers with her. He had photos of them together. He passed away. If you recall, Lisa had had him on the show a few times at a fundraiser. He was spilling the beans about all kinds of things. And this is how we have all this information about, oh, they, you know, she called herself God. All this came out from parishioners, from her church, from her family. And it, it was a huge, big thing. And it's just amazing to me that we've completely glossed over that. And so Whitney even alludes to it. They're like, well, Whitney called me a predator. Well, Whitney said that because people were coming forward saying like that they would just pick someone that they wanted to, I don't know, knock boots with or whatever. And that's why Whitney called her that at that moment, that that's a, that felt predatory to her, that she's in this position of power over this church and has this control over these people. And allegedly the parishioners were saying that they were strongly encouraged to giving money to the, quote, church. So Mary will walk in like, you know, dripping in labels and stuff. And the mentality is like, well, yeah, she deserves that because she's you know, the the lead of this church, and that's ordained by God. And you say to yourself, that's crazy. But I say to you, what about the monarchy? So is it crazy? Or is it just a lowbrow version of stuff that's already going on with less money? Mm. It can be both. It can be both. But I digress. There's plenty of information about that online, about all the Mary stuff that came out. That seems like it was so long ago, but it really wasn't. Alas. All right, so after she says, you know, I came back to help you guys out, Angie says, oh, yeah, no, no, there were some good moments. Like, you were pretty funny. You're, you know, you're kind of hilarious or whatever. Mary snaps at her and she says, Angie, it's your first year. Why are you even, why, why are you even answering? Like, she's irritated that this newbie is telling her that she did a good job. When she's like, this is my show. I've been here forever. She's real cocky. But then Angie, power move. She gestures to her tooth and she says, you got a little lipstick. And Mary you know, rubs her tooth. Was it nice of Angie? It really was nice of Angie. Was it also a way of being like, calm the F down, little miss lipstick on the tooth? Also that, two birds, one stone. So right then, you can tell that it worked immediately. It's like 
It's like one of those toys that changes color in hot water, cold water, just immediate. Andy says, who do you like? And she's like, Angie's cool. She can put up with my, with my toughness. I'm like, you like her immediately because she told you you had lipstick on your tooth and nobody else is going to tell you. Then she says, Monica's pretty. And she says, and I'm cool with Meredith. And Heather's butthurt. Heather's like, what about me? And she says, no, I was cool with Heather. But then she made comments about my house. And then they cut to the footage of Heather joking about her chairs in her kitchen and kind of eye rolling and about her big old Chanel pillows and stuff. Do you still call it Chanel if they're knockoff? Do you call them channel? But you know what? I bet they're real, though, because Mary's just like that. You know, like she got those little ear pods for them that were Chanel. I bet those are probably real. I just can't imagine the places make stuff like that. I don't know, but it's probably real. So Mary says she's upset. She's like, no, I was cool with Heather, but she was mean about my house. And Andy's like, you know, you called Heather inbred. She's like, yeah, I did. And she says, no, but I feel like my house comments are worse because she pretended to like it. At least I'm being real. And I got to say, there's, I understand that. She's got a point there. I don't like a two-faced, a two-faced housewife. Say what you want to say. Say it right then. At least Mary does that. Then we get into some really weird stuff with Mary's son about him maybe being married, maybe not. She's not even sure. She wants to see the paperwork because she can't believe it. Uh, But the young woman did move into the home with them. And what's weird to me is I don't know if her husband, Robert Sr., still lives there. It doesn't seem that he does. It seems like it's just her and her son, and yet she's so hands-off and passive, like, well, yeah, she moved in. Well, I don't know if he's married. I'm like, what's going on? Are you just in the closet, like, brushing doll's hair? Are you? What's happening? And then we get into the just, like, the weirdest story. I don't even want to retell it because it just made me feel so gross. I'm going to tell it in 10 seconds or less. She thought she heard her son and his new girlfriend doing the dirty, and she was like, don't hype him up if it's not that good. Ooh, that's all I can talk about. That's literally all I can say about it. We're moving on. Everyone's face was horrified. Now we get into a really fun conversation about racism. Where Whitney and Mary are going back and forth and Whitney's like, you talked about me on Twitter. And Mary's like, I didn't say anything about you on Twitter. I just said you're racist. And everyone stares at each other. And they pull her tweet up. And it's from September 23rd last year. And it says, this tells me Whitney is racist too, exclamation point. No one knows what it is that prompted that. And Andy says, do you think she's racist? And Mary says, I do. And she clarifies it. She says, I think it's because of their religion. It's because of Mormonism. And she starts going off on some like inside baseball things that Mormonism kind of was founded to believe. Some stuff where there are some pretty racist foundational cornerstones to that religion and many other religions. And Heather, to her credit, chimes in and says, It is rooted in racism. We have to acknowledge it in order to change it. And Whitney says, she's agreeing too. And she's like, I agree too. I'm no longer a member. I'm no longer a practicing Mormon. That doesn't describe me. And then Whitney, you know, takes a minute to say, also, I will acknowledge like we're, we're women of white privilege as well. And this, I couldn't tell if it was being condescending or if it was authentic from Mary, but she says, go on and preach, Whitney. And I'm like, I feel like you're making fun of Whitney. And Whitney says, but I have I personally done anything to you? Is there any reason that you can think of that my actions to you make you think that I'm racist? And she says, no. So Whitney feels better about that. And we move on. And then Lisa talks about the Reality Von Teese account because Mary starts sticking up 
for Monica. She says, I think you guys are a little over the top in Bermuda, pushing her out the way you did. I think you need to hear her out. And Lisa jumps in and she's all upset. And she's like, would you care if that account called you a dumb bitch? And Mary says, no, I don't think I would. I don't think that I would. And in this next moment, you realize that entire exchange, the moment before, was a setup. Lisa's direct question to Mary about the dumb bitch comment was a setup, teeing up Heather. Like they're tag teaming in a wrestling rink. Heather pulls out her phone and she plays a voicemail of Monica's. Yet another one. That's right. Tanisha has opened the Disney vault of Monica voicemails. And this is what we get this time. Here comes a dramatic reenactment of the voicemail. Exactly why I called her a snake. Like, you dumb bitch. Like, locate, I want to DM Mary from a burner account. She probably would never see it and just be like, bitch. I could do it from the, I could do it from the Reality Vontese account. But anyway, because we know she'd be watching that shit and she would open her messages. Now, hearing that, it doesn't, to me, sound like she's calling Mary a dumb bitch. She's talking about a conversation with someone else. She could be talking about Jen Shaw in that first part and then saying she wants to DM Mary with what she knows or has learned. So that wasn't the smoking gun that they thought it was. Like, you know how hot the receipts have to be in order to really, like, create a sizzle around here. So as expected, Monica starts going off very excitedly saying, I did not call you that. That is not me saying that. You all need to play the whole clip if you're going to play a clip. And you need to play the other person's side. You're only playing me me. You have to play the back and forth. And so at least she's saying play more of it, not like trying to completely gaslight out of that. She's saying, don't just throw one snippet out of context. So while that voicemail was playing, by the way, there's back and forth commentary the whole time, pretty much between Lisa and Monica, just like over talking, over talking, over talking. I had to pause my TV probably 10 times to get that voicemail written down because there was so much over-talking, mostly by Monica, but Monica and Lisa. And at one point, Lisa says, no, no, there's a full investigation when Monica's telling her. And it wasn't even just me. It was six people, Mary, or whatever. And so I'm like, a full investigation? So I guess, I guess Lisa does have her investigation team on the case, and we'll see what she can dig up. Monica's response is, are you serious? Well, I can't wait for that to come out. There's a lot of really dramatic drums, very survivor TV show sounding background music, like just really uh, amping up the drama. And Lisa for the previews is yelling at Monica that she stalked Jen. And then we get some exciting tidbits for part three, because we know part three per Andy is going to be really focused on Monica. So they show Andy asking for the next And last episode, the part three, Andy says to her, you set up Jen's security cameras? And Monica says, yes, I did. And Andy says, so you had the ability to watch Jen in her home and hear what she was saying. And they show Monica shaking her head. Then they show another one. Andy says to Heather, Jen gave you the black eye? Heather says, yeah. And Andy says, tell us what happened. So part three is going to be allegedly the biggest and best. And of course, Monica's got her burn book, promote Bean Girls or whatever, but we're going to make it through that. And that is part of the reason why I think Bravo loves Monica. Andy lit up several times at Monica. He had so much empathy for her. He talked her through some things about her mother, 
the way he spoke to her, the questions that he asked her, the fact that they picked her to hold up this burn book promo for Mean Girls. I think they're into it and I think she's coming back. That's my two cents. I also realized something when Monica confirmed for part three preview that she did set up Jen's security cameras. So apparently she was there that day. They set it up through her personal phone. So she had the username password to access Jen's cameras in her house. When Jen yells at Koa and goes off on him for that solid 10 minutes about the reunion dress, in what world would they be one foot from the camera that Monica can control? How many cameras were there in the house? I don't know. But odd to me that that entire blow-up fight happened where somebody had a perfect audio visual. And so I started thinking, if Koa and Monica are friends and they're still super close, which they are, then they were probably close back then. And so if you and your best friend were trying to take down Jen Shaw, you might say to them, hey, you know where the cameras are. I'll bring her over to the bar and I'll get us talking about the reunion dress. And I'll just be telling her like, I can't do it by then and I need more help. And we'll just have that whole conversation. And then you just make sure you record at how, how crazy she goes. That's just me. That's how I think it probably went down. They may never tell us. They may tell us. They still didn't make her say what she said. That was still Jen being Jen. But they teed it up. Now, the black guy, the Bravo docket, Ceci and Angela, lovely people, they were just featured in Us Weekly this week talking about the black guy, just taking their own, like their best legal guesses as to why Heather would have lied about the black guy if Jen Shaw gave it to her and that was always the situation. And they theorized that if Jen gave her the black eye after she'd already been, you know, pled guilty and been convicted of all this stuff, then for her to cause physical harm to someone, to assault someone, would have made her situation worse. It could have affected her sentencing. It could have affected her, you know, ability to be out and shooting the show. People could say, like, look, you can't let her have this freedom to shoot this show. She's hitting people. So they think maybe that was why. Heather hasn't talked about it yet. That's the theory. Even so, Heather lied to a lot of people to again protect Jen. If that was the reason why, if it was just to not make Jen's life harder, Heather lied to Bravo investigators. She lied to the general public at large. She wrote it in her book. She lied to everybody who asked her about it. So it's just a lot of lies for someone that really the whole point of them going to jail was to face the consequences of their actions. So once again with Heather, I'm just sort of like, I get it, but I don't get it. To her, it might seem noble. I don't, I don't see it as that. If you've been keeping that secret just to protect Jen, me no understand. And Jeff Lewis was on Watch What Happens Live after the Salt Lake City reunion part two. And he was so funny. He was talking mad crap about the pirate ship in the background, just saying like that Andy's letting people have too much creative freedom. <laughs> it's very funny. I figured they just hired somebody from the Extreme Home Makeover show. If you don't remember that show, they would build somebody a house or make their house better. But what they were really known for was asking a little kid or anyone like, hey, what's your favorite thing? What are you into? What's your hobby? And a little kid might answer like, dinosaurs. And they're like, oh, you like dinosaurs? And like, Mila, I love dinosaurs. 
And so the next thing you know, the everything, everything is dinosaurs. It's like, no, that's not a, that's not a regular doorknob, uh, Jimmy. That's a dinosaur's tooth, a real prehistoric dinosaur's tooth that you turn counterclockwise, and that's what opens your rim. What kind of wallpaper is that? It's not wallpaper, Jimmy. It's dinosaur skin, real dinosaur skin. We had a texture to feel just like a T-Rex's skin. It is a lot of dinosaurs, Jimmy, but you said you like dinosaurs, right? Mom? That was the show. Over and over again. Kids said they like teddy bears. Teddy bears going crazy. Kids say they like race cars. Say less. Race car bed. Race cars everywhere. And so, Jimmy, that's what somebody did with the Salt Lake City reunion stage. They said, oh, did you say pirates? <laughs> I've been waiting for this. Probably like shellacking the wood on the outside of the pirate ship. Like, we, can we get an Emmy for this? And somebody's like, no, I don't, I don't think we're eligible for But they're like, no, but think about it. Either way, you know, dream big. Dream big. They made an impression, didn't they? We're talking about it. Good for them. I hope they're proud. I hope they don't feel bad about their work. I hope they're proud of their work. I am certainly proud that we did a full recap of that reunion part two. And we fit in an unexpected look into an old Hollywood actress all in under an hour. That makes me so happy because I know you have things to do. I have things to do. Next episode is going to be about Beverly Hills, which I'm about to go watch. But until then, please like and follow the pod, the YouTube. Tell me if you have thoughts about things on Instagram. And don't be like Linda Darnell, Maria Garcia. Don't call your kids mother effers. And especially, don't do it on TV. Don't do it on TV.